to share this morning from a single standalone uh, message called 2020 Vision. I, I want to I kind of play off of this 2020 Vision idea, more specifically just sharing with you uh, what's the vision of Ethos Church for this year, for, 2000, for 2020. Uh, one of the things that you'll discover as you, as you read the scriptures is that God has really given you a very unique ability to see beyond what you can see right now. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it's my wife's favorite scripture. When we were dating, she used to text this scripture all the time to me. But Ephesians 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes, Now to him, meaning God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. In other words, the scripture in Paul is declaring for us that God's able to do so much more than you could ask or imagine. He... God, whether you're newer to this whole thing called church or following Jesus, you've been doing this for a long time, you, you, you may already know this or you're going to discover this pretty quickly, but God can dream and does dream for some really big things to happen here on earth. He can dream bigger than you can dream, and he's able to do greater than what you're able even to ask or imagine. So here's my question for us. Why don't we ask God for some bigger things? Why don't we dream for some, some even bigger dreams? I was thinking about this just a couple weeks ago, and it dawned on me that in my own life, one of the reasons why I stopped dreaming big, or if I ever find myself in a season where I feel like I'm not asking God or imagining for great things to happen in my family, in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world, is because I've become so busy that I, I fail to slow down just to kind of think and dream and ask God again. And one of the things that I've discovered, too, is that if the, if the enemy can't stop you, what's he going to do? He's going to speed you up. He's going to kind of just get you going so fast that you never slow down to even take the time to ask God for some big things. You, you take the time to ask God for what you need in the moment, but you don't take the time to ask God for the things that are really on his heart to see accomplished here on the earth. And so we kind of just speed through life, and if he can't stop you, if the enemy can't stop you, he's just going to keep making you go faster, keep you becoming even more and more distracted. Let, let me illustrate this a, a little bit further for us this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do me something, okay? I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, and it's going to be a little bit weird. I'm going to ask that everybody close your eyes. Okay, close your eyes for just a moment. Some of you are still staring at me. We're not going to steal your purse, I promise. Okay, but if you want to keep one hand on it, that's not a bad idea. We are a church for all people. So, Okay, I'm gonna, as everybody's got their eyes closed, I'm going to say something, and you're going to see something. Okay, I'm going to say something, and you're going to see something. So with your eyes closed, here we go. Ready? Dog. Big dog. Big, mean, scary dog. Okay, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Okay, a little participation, a little participation. How many of y'all uh, saw a dog? Can I see, can I see your hand? Put, put your hand up. Okay, that's the vast majority of you. How many of y'all saw the same dog, but like in three different ways? Can I see your hand? You saw the same dog three different ways with some of you. How many saw three different dogs? Can I see your hand? That's the majority of you. How, how many of y'all saw the letters D-O-G? You saw that. Anybody see that? You're, you're, supposedly, you're the really smart one, so congratulations to you. But uh, how, how many of y'all saw Snoop Dogg? Can I see your hand? Can I see your, <laughs> could you imagine if you saw Snoop Dogg? Like, like, we have small groups for that. You should join one. But, 
We don't actually, but I would love to become your friend, though. So Here, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make, is that for, for all of us, all of us have the ability to create. We have the ability to create vision, and we, we do it through, through our imagination. We use our imagination for all sorts of crazy things, some of them not so good, some of them good, but few of us use our imagination to really exercise our faith. God gave you your imagination, therefore your imagination was created by God to be a holy thing. I really, I really believe that. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, the, 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 the author writes that where there's no vision, where there's no vision, the people go unrestrained. They kind of bounce from one thing to the next. You could think about it in the context of your marriage. If you don't have a vision for your marriage, you end up waking up one morning just simply being married. If you don't have a vision for your finances, you might make a lot of it at the end of every month. No vision, you... You, you might not have very much left over. If you don't have a vision as a single person for the individual that, that you would desire to marry someday, you're going to fall for somebody who's less than the individual that God has designed and destined you to marry someday. Because wherever there's no vision, we kind of just bounce around and go from one thing to the next. In fact, I think there's four types of vision I want to give us this morning. It's kind of a setup for, for what, what we're getting into as a church here in 2020. I think the first type is no vision. No vision is actually still a type of vision. It's, it's having no vision. No, no vision is the equivalent of walking into a grocery store, right, with no list. You ever been there before? Story of my life. You walk in, no list, and you walk out with everything you didn't need, and you walk out without the one thing you did need, right? Like if, if my wife sends me to the grocery store and she doesn't give me a list, I'm going to come home with stuff that we didn't need. And she's going to be like, where's the, the salt, though? I'm like, that's why we went in there, wasn't it? I forgot all about the salt. Okay, like no vision, no vision. We, we, we tend to, again, no vision leads us to, to nothing. Leads us to, to maybe the things that we didn't need to do, but not the thing that we really need to do. Then there's, then there's vague vision. Number two, there's, there's vague vision. Now, now, vague vision is essentially kind of like unclear vision. And, and individuals who have vague vision, maybe you have vague vision in your life. And you say, I kind of know where I want to go. I kind of know what I want to do. But when the going gets tough, the tough get going. No, that's not what I was going to say. But, but when the going gets tough, you, you kind of you back out, you back down, you stop because you have vague vision. And so, so when times get a little bit more challenging than what you expected or anticipated for them to become, you, you, you kind of fall prey to just giving up. People with vague vision are those who bounce from one relationship to the next. People with vague vision are those who bounce from one job to the next, from one vocation or career or, or, or activity to the next. They have vague vision. And they bounce from one relationship to the next because when that relationship hurts them or fails them, as every relationship will at some point in our, in our lifetime, when that relationship fails them, we bounce to the next relationship because we have vague vision. And the third type of vision, though, is simply having wrong vision. Now, now wrong vision is a bit, more, a bit more obvious. This is having first-class aim, but it's towards a second-class cause. It's achieving things. They're just not the right things. 
There's a, there's a guy by the name of Matthew Amans in the 2004 Olympics. He's a, he's a rifle shooter, and, and in 2004, he was, he was projected to win the gold medal. In fact, he gets all the way to the last target. These guys are so skilled, they can actually slow their breathing down to such a pace where they, where they fire in between heartbeats as to not interrupt their shot. And Matthew Mons is on the last target, and all he needs to do is simply hit anywhere on the target. If he does, he wins the gold medal. He lines up his shot, slows down his breathing, shot, bullseye, right on the money. But immediately a red flag goes up. And we have this, this shot, this picture was taken of Matthew Amans. It's kind of like, 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 what? Like as soon as that flag went up, that, that, that picture was, was taken. And he couldn't understand what happened. The judge comes over to him and he says, I'm so sorry to let you know, though you hit it on the bullseye, you hit the target next to the target that, you, that was yours. He was aiming at the wrong target the entire time. How many of us do that same thing in our own lives? We, we have this first-class aim, but it's towards somebody else's cause. We're, we're, we're aiming for the bullseye on somebody else's target. We do this especially today in the day of social media where we're constantly comparing ourselves to everybody else. I mean, this has been going on from the very beginning of history, but I don't know that to, I don't know there's ever been a time or a season in life or in history where it's more prevalent than what it is today. And so we see what somebody else is doing, and we like it, and so we try to pick that up, and we, we pursue that. We might hit it right on the money, maybe even more so than the individual who, whose target it is in the first place, but it's not your target to pursue. And the last thing that we want to do is stand before Jesus as we enter the gates of heaven. And he's like, man, I love you. You love me. Like, I'm for you, and you're going to come in, but you just, you, you didn't you didn't really do what I wanted you to do. Like, like you, you did what everybody else was doing. You just didn't do what, what I was calling you to do. You had, you had wrong vision. Which leads me to number four is 2020 vision. 2020 vision is very obvious. This is, this is clear, undeniable, unmistakably the right direction of where you sense that God is calling you to be. And here at Ethos Church, I, we, we celebrate, you know this, we celebrate what God is doing through every other church in our city. We, 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 love, we love to pray for them. We love to give financially to them. We love to come alongside and, and celebrate freely and openly what God is doing through all the other amazing churches in our city. But we are not called to be all of the other amazing churches in our city. And they are not called to be us. I think if every church leans into being the part of the body that God is calling them and expressing them to be, then, then we could really see God do something amazing all across central Ohio. And so though we celebrate what Adventure is doing and Life Point's doing and Rock City's doing and all these incredible churches, we're not called to be them. And so we, we, we undeniably know that our vision here at Ethos is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It's a fourfold vision. In the mission, the way in which we're going to get there is through our mission. It's the vehicle that we're using to get to our vision, to get to our destination, which is to love all people. Come on, somebody say all. All people in Jesus' name. We're not trying to love all people like mama taught us how to love, like daddy taught us how to love, like grandma wants us to love. We're trying to love people like Jesus loves people, full of grace and full of truth. 
Not just 50-50, 100% of both. So we want to love all people in Jesus. You could say it like this. We are on a mission to love all people in Jesus' name so that all people can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Now that's kind of 30,000 foot perspective though. And, and today I want to I break this down into ground level. What does this mean for us in 2020? Like practically speaking, where are we going as a church? And how can we all together come and be a part of what God is doing so that corporately we can really lean into being a part of the body that God has called us to be. The first thing is that in this year, and I'm going to give you five things, and the first three are going to be a little bit familiar for, for many of you, and then the last two are going to be brand new. But the first one is this year we launched Ethos Youth, and we're also going to be uh, uh, participating in, in sending our Ethos Youth on a summer camp this, this summer as well. And, and, and I can't tell you, I can't express to you just how much as a church we believe in the emerging generation. I can't help but believe it. I was a youth pastor for so long, it still just feels like it's a part of my DNA. There's a, there's a, a pastor mentor in my, in my life, and, and he's in his upper 50s now, and he tells me, he's like, Jordan, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor, man. Like, you're never going to get out of your blood. And, and, and I'm glad, though. Like, I, I believe, like, we have to be intentional to reach the next generation, the emerging generation, so that they can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And so we're creating an opportunity on the first and third Tuesday of every month for 6th through 12th graders to come together at our Ethos team space, which is about a mile and a half up the road, just north of here, and have an experience and opportunity for them to lean into and understand how they can know God, find freedom, discover their unique purpose, and make a difference. And then this summer, we're going to be going on a summer camp with our kids. And we want every kid to go. Like, like, like no kid, like I was, I was talking to some of the team this past week, and I was like, no kid left behind. Like, if, if whatever we can do to get every kid who is a part of a family here at Ethos to go to camp, we are going to do that. And you're going to hear more information about that if you're a parent here in the next coming weeks. But this is a, this is a big deal, man. The second thing is, is we're, we're leaning into this year that we're going to go on, to, we're going to go on our first missions trip. So we're going to be going to El Salvador here in, in July. In fact, we have another interest meeting coming up. Help me out here, somebody. I saw Brian earlier. When is it? The 23rd? 23rd, we have an interest meeting? Yes. Thank you, Brian Johnson, sir. And, and so we have another interest. So if you're interested in going on a mission trip to El Salvador, that's one of our partners. They're planning churches there in that country and doing some phenomenal things. And we are strategically partnering with organizations globally that we can support financially and visit annually. Like that's, that's kind of our model for partnership. We want to go deep. And so we want to we make sure that we can facilitate annual trips to those that we're partnering with as well. And this is going to be our first trip. Uh, our first missions trip as a community, and we're, we're pumped about it. In fact, if you've never been on a missions trip before, if you've never been on a trip before, you should really pray about and consider going. Few things will impact your perspective and understanding of God's love for the whole world like seeing it firsthand. I've been on several, several trips and spent quite a bit of time overseas, and, and, and man, I'm telling you, like it's just healthy. Like, it's just, it's good for you to experience. It's good for you to see. If your kids are of age, it's good for your kids to experience and for your kids to see. The third thing is small groups. Now, we've been doing small groups for, for quite a bit of time, but small groups aren't just something that we do. Small groups are a pillar of our church. 
They're literally, we, have, we have five pillars as a church. One of them is, is small groups because we really believe that we're called by God to be a relationally healthy community. Like we're, pro- we're not going to be the church where people can kind of, just, can I just be honest, where you can kind of like sneak in and sneak out. Like we're going to be the church that knows people's names. Like we just feel called by God to be that type of a church. So again, we're not trying to lean into somebody else's vision. We're trying to lean into our, what God is calling us as a community to do, what God's calling us as a community to be a part of. And so groups for us are more than just a small gathering, more than just something that we do. But groups for us in the future, we see more people gathering in circles throughout the week than we ever see gathering on rows in the weekend. Like that's, that's we don't experience that right now, but we see that in the future because it's too important. People have to be known and that people have to know and be known by somebody. Like it's just, this is a part of, it's, it's intrinsic to all of humanity that we have to know and be known. We're not called by God to live life alone, to be isolated and, and live reclusive from relationships. And so we're, we, we've changed a few things about groups. And there's some additional things that we're adding this particular group season that launch next Sunday, by the way, in order to help groups become even healthier than they've even been in the past. So this is, this is so critical for us. Because as a church, we're never going to limit our growth. And so the larger that we grow, hear me, the smaller we have to become. The larger we grow in rows, the smaller we have to become in, in circles. I like to think of it like this. The larger we grow, the smaller we have to think. We can never just think about let me say it like this. You won't ever hear us publicly talk about how many people come to Ethos Church on a weekend. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. You'll never see us put that on Instagram. You'll never see us promote that uh, on our website or anything of that nature. The reason being is because we don't celebrate butts in a seat. That's not, that's not the culture we're trying to create. What we'll celebrate is those people who are making a decision to follow Jesus, who are surrendering their lives and repenting of their sins so that they can experience the freedom that can only be found in Christ. We're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate the numbers of people who are making a public decision to be baptized, which we'll have coming up here in a few weeks when the weather gets warmer, because that's obvious. And <laughs> last year we had a baptism, and it was 39 degrees outside. And I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I love you, just not that much. So. And, and, and we, so there are, there are things. We celebrate those who are participating in it. I love my city project, who are, who, are, who are involved in groups, who are serving on a servant leadership team. But what we don't celebrate is how many people come. We know how many people come every weekend. because We have to know how many chairs to put down, how many classrooms to have open. We, know, we have to know how many diapers to buy and things of that nature. But, but we, don't, we don't talk about it publicly because that's not what we want to celebrate. Does that make sense? That's not the culture we're trying to create. And so if we just celebrate the number, then we lose sight of the individual. And so the bigger we become, though, the smaller we have to think and the more intentional we have to be. Okay, so the fourth thing, and this one's brand new. And I'm, I, don't, I think I'm, I'm most excited about this one. Like, I'm, I'm super pumped about this one. We're going to be doing this year on April the 4th. It's the Saturday before Easter, so one week prior to our Easter celebration, something that we're calling our Ethos Extra Special Easter. And so, so our ethos, Extra Special Easter, is for kids with special needs. It's for children and families with children who have special needs. And the reason we're doing this is because last year, well, it's twofold. Number one, we've always felt like from the beginning, we will be a church. 
without a doubt, it's taking time because as a portable church, there's some challenges. As a church, we will be a church, we will be a community that leans in to partnering with family who have children with special needs. We want to do that every single week. We want to create environments that are conducive for children with special needs. And we're working towards it. We're not there right now. That vision is not fulfilled or even really close to it. We're just scratching the surface of it as we speak. But this is a big step in that direction. And so last year, we toyed around, we kind of teased around with the idea of doing an Easter egg hunt. And then we looked up Easter egg hunts in Central Ohio and realized there's no need for us to put all of those resources and energy into another Easter egg hunt. Adventure Church does a great Easter egg hunt at Orange High School every single year. Let's just go to that one. Like, they're doing a great job with it. Let's just partner with them. And I love Kyle. I love that whole team up there. But what we did discover, though, is there's not a single, there's not a single event happening around Easter for kids with special needs that we could find, that we could, that we just, there might be, we just, we didn't discover. We didn't see it. And so we thought, there's our niche. Even our kids director, Jade McCormick, who's amazing, all of our teachers back in Ethos Kids, by the way, are like next level servant leaders. Like, when you pick up your kids today, like, like, let's all, let's just all do this. My wife and I included my wife because I'm not going to pick up my kids. But I don't think I've ever picked up our kids from any church before, have I? I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's bad. And so, but let's change that. Um, I'm going to pick them up today. Why are we having this conversation? So, so, you know, I was diagnosed ADD when I was a kid. And my mom told the teacher, just give him more work to do. That's what she said. Just give him more work to do and he'll pay attention. And it worked. And so, but, but our, kid, our, our, our servant leaders back in Ethos Kids, they're amazing. And, and Jade is, is incredible. We love Jade. That's actually, her degree actually is in working with children with special needs. She works at Oakstone in, in, in Westerville, which, which deals specifically with children on the, on the autism spectrum. And so even just that alone, I, we believe, is a godsend to the vision that he's given us here as a community. And so on April the 4th, we're renting out Rock the Spectrum, which is a facility in Polaris, and we're going to have two different times during that day where people will have the opportunity to participate, and we're going to create a great environment for children and families with children of special needs. And you'll hear more about this in the weeks uh, to come because there's going to be some ways for you all to get involved with this, and I'm excited about it. But the fifth and the last thing is for this year is we are moving locations to Nationwide Conference Center just a mile up the road. And it's a big deal. And let me, let me give you the short story of this. We've been knocking on that door for a while because it's a great facility and it's a great environment for, for what we do here at Ethos. The kids' classrooms, just everything is just, it's just significantly better. We love this school dearly. It just doesn't set up well. And so therefore we have to do a lot of setup and even then, it still doesn't set up uh, the way that we would love for it to do. And, and you know, we're, we're a portable church, so there's some challenges and limitations that we have. But Nationwide helps us in some tremendous ways in order to alleviate some of the tensions and pressures that we feel in regards to setup and teardown. Specifically, it's going to cut down our setup and teardown by about half. And so anybody who's on the setup and teardown team just said, Hallelujah. And, and, and so we, we're, we're so excited, but, but, but in addition to it kind of alleviating some of the setup and teardown pressure, uh, we're now able to immediately on the first Sunday, which is seven weeks from now, go to two services at 9.15 and 11.15 a.m. So we can finally make space 
for more people to experience the life-giving community that you all and all of our servant leaders create every time that we gather together. And we're pretty excited about this. I'm pumped. We've been knocking on that door for a while. About six months ago, they came back with a price that was about twice of what we're paying right now. We want to steward and be good stewards of your generosity. And so we just felt it's not, it's not a good decision for us. We have some, some what we call floors and ceilings on our budget. And it was going to cause us to exceed our, our facility ceiling on our budget. And so we just knew it's not the right decision, not the right time. My wife is so much more spiritual than me. I was like discouraged. I was like, man, I just want to get in there so bad. We, we've got all this. We, we, we can't even. It's, it's, we're too tight in here. Our classrooms are too tight. We're too tight in the auditorium. People are parking along the curbs. Like, we need to create more space. And she's like, baby, it's just not the right time. I'm like, yeah, but we got to figure this thing out. We knocked again at the beginning of the year, just a few weeks ago, and we just said, here's what we pay for the school. Would you match it? And within hours, they said yes. We were like, okay, God. Like, pretty cool. And, yeah. So we only have six more, after today, only six more Sundays here. And, and again, if you're part of Set Up and Tear Down, we were all just like dancing this morning, like celebrating. We're like, we're down to six people. So uh, it's just going to be fantastic. And so we, we can't wait for you all to experience. If you're part of a servant leadership team here, we don't have volunteers. We have servant leaders. If you're part of one of those teams, we're going to have a team night at Nationwide. I can't remember the exact date. Somewhere at the beginning of March. You'll get more information about that here this week. But but we're going to give you the opportunity to kind of see and experience the facility so that we can be set up well on that first, on that first Sunday. But here, I, I want you to know this, though, as we begin to kind of close this thing out. I want you to know this, that, that as a church, our vision in the future, we kind of get back to like 10,000 foot. But, but our, our vision in the future, it's not right now, but down the road, is to be a church with multiple locations. We see a church multiple locations with a unified vision and autonomous leadership. That's how we say it. Multiple locations, unified vision, autonomous leadership. What does that mean? We don't see campuses. We don't see campuses in the traditional sense of what you think of when you think of church campuses. That's where you watch the kind of the pastor on the screen. We see autonomous leadership under the umbrella, the leadership, the resource of ethos, the DNA, the culture. But a, a local community pastor who is identifying the best way to communicate the topic of that weekend to the people of that community and so we, we see that all over, and we see them geared around school districts because districts tend to be kind of the hub of different communities. So we want to reach the districts of our, of our city. And that's, that's going to be some time until we get there. But the, kind of the next step, most likely, unless God changes our direction, changes our course, we're more than likely after Nationwide going to be attempting or, or kind of moving in the direction, I should say, of building on the land off of Africa Road. Many of you are familiar with the fact that we have some land off of Africa Road that, that was a result of the merger with North Church, and we still see that happening. And we've been having some conversations with the building team and, and some of the guys in the church who are just so much more knowledgeable than, than, than me or, or my wife about that topic, but, but it's just not the right time. We're just not there quite yet. And so we just felt like, man, we just need to hold off on that. And right after we decided to hold off on that is where this opportunity with Nationwide came up too. And so we just felt even more firm, like God was saying, this is your next step. And then we could build, and then we can start to expand into other locations and communities as well. But we, we're, we're, we, we want to populate heaven and decimate hell. And so we're going to continue to expand and see more people who are far from God filled with the life of Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of five next steps for ethos this year. But what's your next step? I, I, I've identified one next step for you. And here it is. 
I'm simply asking that you would ask God, what do you want me to do? What part can I play? This isn't some pressured moment where I'm gonna say, you gotta get on a team or you gotta start to do fill in the blank. Like, no, like, it's not like that. We, we've said from the beginning, Courtney and I, we've said, we just, we just wanna be a part of the church. Like, yeah, we understand that our role is to lead and to be the lead pastors, but we just we wanna be a part of this thing too. It's why we just are ourselves and just always wanna be ourselves. And so we ask ourselves frequently, how would we wanna be led? Let's just lead that way. I'll tell you how I'd wanna be led. I would want my pastor in this moment to simply say, ask God. You, you, you know God. And you can feel the impressions of God, whether you realize it or not. You can sense when God is calling you. You can sense when he kind of puts that thought in your mind. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's God. And so I want you to simply ask God, what do you want me to do? What part, what part can I play? There's no pressures from me. That This is, this is in God's hand. I believe that God can can direct you. And if we all just do what God wants us to do, then we will be everything that God wants us to be. Maybe God isn't calling you to simply learn somebody's name who is newer to ethos and take them out to coffee. And Scott Thompson, one of our stewardship team members, I, I'm telling Scott all the time, I'm like, man, you're, you're so good at carrying culture here at ethos because you're always taking people out to coffee and grabbing a drink with them and hearing their story and, and just getting to know them and learning their name. And and, and, and I love that Scott does that. Maybe that's what God would call you to do. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're an older married couple and, and there's a younger married couple and God's saying, just get to know them. Start to kind of pour into them once a month, every other month, just, just hang out with them. Hear their story and be an encouragement in their life. Or, or maybe, maybe you're here today and you'd, you'd say, man, I just, I kind of feel like God is just, impressing upon me that there's a friend I need to invite to, to my small group or to Sunday morning or to, to Ethos Youth or to Ethos You, our college age ministry on Wednesday nights. You know, as a, as a church, one of the foundational scriptures that we've, that, we've been, that we've been intentional to build this thing off of is Psalm 68, verse 6, where the psalmist writes that God sets the lonely. He places the lonely in families and he sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. We pray, my wife and I pray pretty much every Saturday night, and one of the things that we pray is God, continue to bring the lonely into our family. We're not trying to be a church that pulls people from other churches. Like, that's not our MO at all. But there are so many people who are far from God or are just lonely. They've been disenfranchised by church. God, bring them in. Give us, help us to slow down long enough to invite them to be a part of the family here at Ethos. Or lastly, maybe God would call you to serve and to be a part of a servant leadership team here at Ethos. As we go to two services, this is like family talk right now. Like if we were, if we were just all sitting at a dining room, dining room table and we were just talking together, like what are some of the needs of our community? I'll tell you right now, we're going to two services and, and we have a great servant leadership team, but there's some gaps in some of our teams, specifically in our kids ministry to go to two services. We, we wanna to continue to keep people on an every other week, one service a week schedule. And so there's some gaps that we have. And so maybe, maybe now's the time where, where you'd sense, okay, I could be a part of this. I could sign up and be a part of a team now. We have Ethos 101 tonight, which is the next step to be a part of the team. But even if you can't make Ethos 101 tonight, we've got childcare and dinner provided. But even if you can't make it, 
We have a table set up in the foyer today. We want to ask that you would sign up. We're going to reach out to you. We're going to go over the information with you so that you can get onto a team. We want to help you. We want to help you become a part of the community here at Ethos. I'll tell you right now, I say this in Ethos 101 every single month, that one of the things we are most proud about is the health of our servant leadership teams. If you really want to feel connected at Ethos, get on a team. They're healthy. They're fun. Like we, we, we just, we have a good time. And they're the people who are the, the it's like most like family when you're on a, when you're on a servant leadership, when you're on a servant leadership team. In John chapter 11, I'm going to close right here. In John chapter 11, Jesus discovers that one of his closest friends, Lazarus, has just passed away. He catches wind of this, and four days later, Jesus shows up to the tomb, to the tomb of Lazarus. And Mary and Martha, the sisters of the man who just died, are there. They're weeping, and as a result of them weeping, it says in the scriptures in, in John chapter 11 that Jesus himself begins to weep. His heart breaks for the breaking heart of you, for, of, of me, of, of Mary and Martha in this, in this moment. And even though Jesus knows that he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, like he's going to bring him back to life, and he feels the pain and the burden of that moment. And then in John chapter 11, verse 38, it says, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. To which people begin to protest. And they, like Jesus, he, he's been dead for four days. It's going to stink. So they say, like, it's, it's, it stinks, stinks, stunk. Like this is, it's going to, we don't want to do this. Are you sure? And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, guys, fellas, take away the stone. I'm reading this recently and it, kind of dawns on me, like, Jesus, why didn't you just remove the stone? Like, you, you're about to raise a dude from the dead. You don't think you could just, like, and the stone kind of fades into the distance? Like, you could create an earthquake, and it just kind of crumbles into dust? Of course he could have done that. That's not how the vision of God works. You see, there's God's part, and then there's your part. There's God's part, and this is my part. And so Jesus says, remove the stone, guys, so that I can do the miracle. Our responsibility is to remove the stone in our lives that present God or prevent God from doing the miracle in our community. And sometimes there are some things, some stones we have to remove from our lives. Sometimes there are some stones we have to move in our lives so that we can do the thing that God's calling us to do. But this morning, my question to you is, what stone is God asking you to move? I'm telling you right now, if I think back 16 months ago, when we first launched as a church, there were so many stones. And I think about all of the individuals who stepped up and said, I'm gonna move that stone, I'm gonna move that stone, I'm gonna move that stone. And because of the collective unity of so many people, we began to see God do the miracle that we're experiencing today. But I believe that the next, I mean, I believe this with, I've never been more convinced, as we're coming off our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I've never been more convinced about where God is leading us, where he's calling us. But I also know that there's more stones that together we need to move. 